0: you're amongst a church and a group that actually is experiencing momentum. There's ways you can get with the program and connect and tap into that and just hang with us and you'll, you'll, you'll tap in. It'll help, help you a lot. The way God's designed it actually is for spiritual momentum on a personal level to fuel the fires of momentum on a corporate level and vice versa for momentum on a corporate level to actually enhance and fuel the fires of momentum in your personal life. That's the way it's been designed to work. You know, there was a problem in the Old Testament. During that time, they were rebuilding the temples, the walls, and all of that, and God used a prophet by the name of Haggai to encourage uh, the people along with Zechariah. But Haggai had a message, and uh, he was kind of challenging the people because there came a point where the people were saying, It's not time to build the Lord's house. And at that point, the Lord's house was in ruins. But ironically, they were all staying in what the Bible calls their own paneled houses. They were really nice. So on an individual basis, everything was beautiful, but they were not giving themselves to building the Lord's house. So sometimes people do not experience momentum on a personal level because they are not fully engaging and what God is doing on a corporate level. I promise you, if you make God's house a priority, God will make you a priority and make sure you are blessed in every dimension of your life. They work together. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there. That was for free. 1 Corinthians 10. Let's check out a couple of scriptures here. And I'm hoping I can get to a few of these points here this morning and kind of plant these things. And I think the last time I was here, we spoke on um, warfare culture the time before that, I kind of spoke on family culture, if I remember correctly. And I was kind of planting some seeds that were already resident here, but kind of adding two things. And I could tell you, just standing up here today, I mean, those seeds have grown, and many other people have been planting seeds locally and from without. And uh, there's been a development that's, that's very, very encouraging. I love what I see and hear uh, in your midst here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, moreover, brethren... I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Very interesting there. I'm going to come back to that in a second. All ate the same spiritual food And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples And it lists several of the the issues and challenges and judgment and flesh issues that took place in the wilderness and how many people died and were judged and so forth. But skip down to verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands... Take heed lest he fall. Take heed. Tell your neighbor to take heed. Tell your other neighbor to take heed. Some of you ain't going to tell any neighbor anything, are you? You're just going to look at me. Okay, that's fine. I I see you. No, take heed means this. It means to pay close attention to. It means to discern. It means to weigh carefully there are things that need to be discerned in a place like this in a momentum like this in a church like this in your personal life there's things you have to be very discerning of because if not just like first peter 5 talks about it says be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Those the enemy devours are often those who are not sober and who are not watching and praying. See, there, there, there's, there's things the enemy wants to do. There are weapons currently. The enemy is forming. To take you out, to hinder you in your progress, to stop your momentum. If you are not discerning of these things, if you don't take heed, even though you think you stand, if you're not discerning, if you're not watching, if you're not sober, if you're not heeding the wisdom that God wants to give you, guess what? Doesn't matter what you've attained to, doesn't matter how great your gifts are, doesn't matter how powerful your anointing is, doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter how much influence you have, you are no match for the devil. It takes divine wisdom, it takes divine covering, divine protection, divine strategies that will undo the weapons that are formed against you. Uh, Isaiah says this, you guys can probably quote it to me, no weapon formed against you can prosper. You know, we often stop right there and we miss the rest of that verse, which is critically important. It says, every tongue that rises up against you, it says you will condemn. Well, guess what? If you don't condemn it, if you don't put a stop to it, if you don't bind it, then that tongue that rises up against you and those words that are released against you and those schemes that are released against you and those curses that are released against you, guess what? If you don't put a stop to it, they're going to be active. And the very weapons that were actually formed will prosper against you. Does that make sense? In other words, we have a role in partnering with God to steward what God has initiated. We are stewards of everything God has given us. We are stewards of every word God has spoke to us. We are stewards of every miracle, every prophecy, every vision, every dream that God has shown us. How we steward these things will determine the end from the beginning. Quiet in this Methodist church this morning. This is kind of a sobering word, and the reality is we have responsibility. God is wanting to raise our awareness of what is at stake. This is more than you feeling a goosebump. This is more than you just having a powerful time in a worship service. This is more than just having a place you can go to church on Sunday morning. This is a regional. Apostolic church God is raising up that has the potential to dismantle strongholds in this region that have been remained intact because a church has not risen up to a place of authority to properly dismantle and deal with those things. This is huge. What you've experienced thus far is just the beginning. Some of you might think, "Why well, I've arrived? This is great. This is lovely, awesome. What we've experienced. and it is awesome what you've experienced. But you've got to see the intention of God here. God has so much more to give and to empower you with. And if you are a good steward, you will come into things you've yet to experience. You will see greater breakthrough than you've yet to experience. And so I'm I'm going to share some things with you in just a moment. But, you know, one of the things in this passage I thought was very interesting is that every person, all however many three million Israelites or whatever there were that Moses led out of Egypt into the wilderness, into the promised land, all of them saw the power of God in display right in front of their eyes. They they saw all the plagues that took place. They saw the mighty deliverance out of Pharaoh's hand. They saw uh, the Red Sea open up for them. They saw manna come down from heaven. They saw water come out of a rock. I mean, this is supernatural stuff. Talk about signs and wonders. They experienced air conditioning in the desert, this cloud by day. They experienced heating systems by night. They were in the desert, so they needed both, you know. So they, they had, had a fire by night. They had a, this encounter with signs, wonders, miracles, the power of God in activation. And yet at the end of the day, most of them God was not pleased with. They did not enter the fulfillment of the promise. They never made it to the promised land. The Bible says their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. See, there's a reason why they didn't make it in if you read hebrews chapter 3 chapter 4 it talks about exactly why god was not pleased with them and why their bodies were scattered in the wilderness why they did not inherit the promise now thank god there was a remnant who did Joshua and Caleb and that next generation, they did come into the promised land. They did receive the promises of God. They moved forward, but most of them, the Bible says, God was not pleased. That word most is probably an understatement. It should probably read the vast majority of them, God was not pleased with them because they died in the wilderness and there's a reason why they died. The Bible says that they heard the voice of God, but they hardened their hearts. They saw the miracles, they experienced the miracles, they heard the word of God, but their response to what God said did not qualify them to enter into the very promises of God. There is a responsibility each one of us have to not just hear what God says, but to value it enough to respond accordingly. Of course, Scripture teaches us that we need to be doers of the word, right? But there are, there are uh, there's, there's fruit that God is looking for each time he speaks to us. Guess what? You're responsible what you do with what I'm telling you right now. If all you do is check off a box, I attended church this morning, nodded, gave, gave the preacher a couple of Baptist nods, Go home and do nothing with what you just heard. Do you realize what you've said to the Lord? That what he says is not all that important to you. On Sunday morning, we got churches all across the nation, all across the world in different time zones who are doing what we're doing right now. Who listen to a sermon and hear. And honestly, because I've traveled all over the world, all over the states, I've seen it. I've been in church all my life. I've seen it. We have been conditioned culturally to have great church services at best for, for most and to hear the word of God and to listen to sermons and 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 we we go to conferences and we read books and we you know where we we've been conditioned to value the experience rather than the response and our responsibility to steward what we just heard and what we've just received and what we've just experienced. Thanks for that one amen back there. Appreciate that. Amen. It is so critically important that in this season, you value every word that God speaks to you. You value Every divine encounter you have, I've preached a message before called Miracles of Momentum because miracles are not intended to be free health care, although that's a blessing. Miracles are not intended to entertain us, and I see miracles all the time. I mean, a couple of weeks ago in Mexico, we had um, those that had COVID symptoms line up. Everybody got healed immediately, all kinds of other things. I see it all the time, but God intends for miracles to produce momentum in us in so many different ways. But it's the same thing with every vision God gives you, every dream God gives you, every prophetic word you receive. See, we are stewards of everything that we receive. The question is, how are we stewarding things? How are we stewarding? Let him who thinks he stand take heed, lest he... I want to turn to one more passage here in Hebrews. Lord, help me here. Um, Hebrews chapter number one. It's tight, but it's right. Tell your neighbor it's tight, but it's right. Some of you guys ain't going to talk to your neighbor. I learned it the last time. No, it is, it is, it is good. You know, sometimes the word comes to, to encourage us. You know, sometimes it does come to challenge us. Sometimes it comes to comfort us. Sometimes it comes to kick us in the pants, to get us moving, to exhort us to put some things into action. Um, But the weight of this word, it's it's hitting me. And I'm not sure if you're feeling the weight of this thing. Um, But we have a greater responsibility, I think, than maybe we're aware of. Because it's no longer just about us as individuals. It's about what God's trying to do in an entire region. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13. To which of the angels has God ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Of course, to none of the angels did he ever say that. It's kind of a rhetorical question. Um, Verse 14. Are they, speaking of angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation think about that there are angels that are assigned to minister for us that's a little bit different than ministering to us that that can take place from time to time Jesus had angels that ministered to him and you know when he was when he was tempted in the desert and so forth the vast majority of their role is to minister for us on our behalf, for those who will inherit salvation. Salvation is not just talking about a born again prayer where you accept Jesus in your heart. The Greek word is sozo, it includes a complete and total salvation, it includes your deliverance, includes prosperity, includes everything that you need, but it goes beyond just you as an individual because salvation is intended to manifest in the earth and bring restoration to everything around you. There's a bigger picture here at stake. Think about what God said. Sit here at my right hand. Oh, that's my left, sorry. Sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies your enemies. Foodstool. On an individual basis, poverty is an enemy. God wants you to put poverty under your feet. God wants you to put sickness under your feet. He wants you to put bondage uh, of, of the soul under your feet. But there's something bigger at stake here. When you begin to see the, the transition in the New Testament, you begin to see believers that connect to these apostolic uh, regional churches that begin to take st- uh, responsibility for the land underneath their feet, not just exercise their faith for them to be blessed as individuals. Remember what Joshua was told? Everywhere where the soles of your feet will tread upon, that I have given you. See, now, it, now we are in a position to take it personal that the devil is squatting in our territory. This is the, the holy attitude God is wanting you to take, how dare, just like David told Goliath, how dare you uncircumcised Philistine, you know, you know confront and, and, and oppress and, and attack the people of God. And so God is wanting us to rise up to realize this is more than just about us. Now check this out. Therefore, chapter 2, now, you understand that, you know, chapters and verses were added later. I mean, it's kind of funny, but historians tell us someone was riding horseback backwards. I think it was in England somewhere, if I remember the story right. And, they were, and he, while he was doing that, he was, you know, putting some different chapters and verses different places and anywhere. I think he hit a bump when he put it right there because uh, the first chapter and second, they kind of go together here. Therefore, we must, Give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Giving heed. There's that word heed again. I know that might not be in your vocabulary. But Corinthians said to him who stands, who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Proverbs says it this way. Pride becomes before a fall. So humility is such a vital key. That'll be your number one out of 27 I'll give you here. Humility is such a vital key to sustaining momentum on a personal level and a collective level led by leadership to make sure that we continue not to take ownership of something or to take credit for something, but to always give God the glory and always be in a position to continue learning, continue developing and allowing God to continue to move But it says, take heed to the things we have heard. There's a connection here, though. I want you to get this. Not only is it important that we take heed to what we've heard, there's a connection to what was just spoken here. It says that angels have been assigned to you and I to minister for us. I want to share a principle with you. I'm sure many of you have heard this before. This is powerful to understand this. The Bible says in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, I believe it's somewhere in there, maybe 105-ish, it says that angels hearken to the voice of his word. Angels don't do what they want. They are empowered and fueled and authorized when God speaks. But guess what? God has given us his word. God has authorized us to speak that word. Something happens in the realm of the Spirit when we hear the voice of God and then say what God has said because it now empowers angels to minister on our behalf, to minister for us but we are not going to speak the word of God in full agreement and in authority if we take casually what we hear God say. Are you making the connection here? There are many things that we lack in terms of our spiritual inheritance. There are many enemies of the Lord that have yet to be put under our feet because of this lack of stewardship of what God has spoken. When God speaks, what, let me define this for you. Just break it down for a second. We're going to bring it to a close just a few minutes here. When God speaks, what is that? The words that God speaks convey to us His thoughts for us, conveys His heart, His emotions, conveys His desires, His will. The words reveal the very soul of God for you and I. When you and I do not respect what God says, we're actually disrespecting who he is. Think about that. Hebrews, you can read this on your own time, chapter 12, I believe it was 25. Okay, I'm just going to read it real quick here. I'll turn right to it, so there you go. It says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. It's not just a poor stewardship of a sermon. It's not just a poor uh, stewardship of maybe a book we've read or a Bible study that you've had that has ramifications. It's actually saying, God, I got this. The verse says the first says see that you do not refuse him who speaks for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth much more shall we not escape if we refuse him who speaks from heaven escape it speaks of consequences there are consequences for not stewarding well what God has said and what he has done the consequences are that angels are not released to the full potential they've been given to minister on our behalf. And therefore, there are elements of salvation on a personal level that go unrealized because we have not properly aligned ourselves to speak the word of God. What does that mean? We hear the word. We believe the word. We receive the word. And there's power that shifts when we begin to speak it. We begin to pray the word. We begin to prophesy the word. We begin to teach and preach the word. We praise and worship the word. All of these elements activate angelic activity on our behalf. There is power in your mouth. The Bible says there is life and death in the power. Of the tongue, let me t- let me tell you how deep this goes, and we're gonna have to close this out in just a couple minutes here. because we have some communion, and I do want to minister just real quickly a couple um, words before we leave here. Um, amen, amen, amen. Here's the ramifications of this. Jesus, Matthew 16. You know, he authorizes uh, us as those that are stewarding the advance of his kingdom. He said, on this revelation, on this rock, I will build my church, but I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Do you realize Jesus does not have the keys of the kingdom of heaven? Think about that for a second. You and I have the keys of the kingdom of heaven. It goes on, the next verse says, whatever you bind on earth, it's, It's bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Think about this in the context of your words. If we align ourselves to God's word and we are a good steward of that and we allow those words to become one with who we are and we properly respond and we speak the word in prayer and prophetic decrees and praise, what that does, it actually activates angelic activity on our behalf and it puts to stop demonic activity. You realize that angels in the realm of the spirit, they, they are empowered to overcome demonic activity when you and I properly steward what we've been given, especially as a regional apostolic church, linking into something that has significance in the region. There is power that's released out of your mouth, and guess what? This goes beyond, like I said, just a personal blessing. It brings breakthrough. Love that story about that missionary. It's amazing if we could just pull back the covers and see the ramifications of our obedience and how it affects not just our personal blessing, but the blessing of so many people. This is what momentum is about. It's about linking into what God is doing on a corporate level, doing our part personally, and allowing what God says and does to continue to have long-lasting effects and growths and movement for us. Okay, last verse, and we're closing out with this right here. I'm quickly kind of laying a foundation here um, for you. Ezra, this is an interesting verse here, the book of Ezra chapter number 9. This is the rebuilding of the temple and the walls during that time through through Nehemiah. Well, look what he says here, there they're, they're praying towards the end of this. Chapter 9, verse 8. He says, Now for a little while, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a peg in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a measure of Revival. Look at that phrase, a measure of revival. Do you realize revival comes in measurements? There is a measure of revival you have already experienced that you are experiencing, but it's just the beginning of what God wants to do, your personal life and collectively. Goes on to say, a revival, a measure of revival in our bondage, for we were slaves. If you were to be honest, many of you have been attending this church for a number of months or even years. You can say that, that's been my story. I've come into a, a greater level of freedom at Freedom Fellowship. Well, guess what? There's more. There's more to come. Yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage, but he extended mercy to us in the sight of the kings of Persia to revive us To repair the house of our God, to rebuild its ruins, and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Wish I had time to preach this here. But here's here's the deal as we close. God is impressing on me to share with you, to encourage you, and to kind of push you a little bit into understanding the responsibility that you actually have by being a part of this church. You're going to have a difficult time living a casual Christian lifestyle in this particular church where there is a demand placed upon you um, to rise up to the occasion. You're a part of a special company. You really are. Consider it a privilege and an honor. Um, but I believe God is wanting to encourage us to embrace the process of stewardship, of stewarding things well. Luke 16 talks about, you know, if we steward things well, guess what, more will be given to us. But if we don't steward well, even that which we have will be taken away. I can tell you stories from my own life and from different churches and ministry. This principle's true. Momentum works both ways. One of the key things I'm sharing this morning, I've got about 25 more to share with you, is this principle of stewarding what you've heard by way of the word of God and stewarding what you have received and experienced by way of the moving of the spirit. Both of them require a process to be a good steward of to make sure they weren't just a good uh, experience in the moment, but they actually produce the ongoing fruit they were intended to.